Welcome to Just Life, where we share our life experiences and lessons to make your life easier. We are on a mission to become the best versions of ourselves, and if you're trying to do the same, you're in the right place. Let's talk about life. Hey guys, it's Lou, and welcome to Just Life. I'm here with Cicely, as usual. Hey everyone, and I feel like we have a really important topic to talk about today. This is one of the reasons why we started the podcast. So get relaxed, be ready to listen, because I feel like we're going to give you a lot of good advice that I wish I heard from someone earlier in life. And well, let's just start with the topic itself so it doesn't get lost in translation. We're talking about mental health and sports and kind of how it affects you from all ages, not just college age, but even older than that. You you can go to like professional athletes when they retire or kids when they first start a sport. Like sports, in a way, defines people's lives when you play a sport for so long. And mental illness or mental like disorders don't discriminate. You can happen to anyone, any age, from anywhere. So we can kind of talk about our history of sports, like where we started, because people listening, which we had a new record of listeners, so hello, thank you for listening, Um, welcome. Hope you get to know us more as we make more podcasts and more episodes, but um, me and Lou both played college athletics. I played soccer, played since I was five. Well, I played basketball. I'm no longer a college athlete, but I still go to the same school, and I'm still involved on campus. But I played basketball since since I came out the womb, you know. <laughs> I always had a basketball in my hand. And I've been playing organized basketball since I was 10. Yeah, um, I can relate to that. I've been playing since I can remember. Well, from someone who quit their sport, like actively I made the decision not to play anymore, it's a weird thing to not play the sport you grew up with. Like, I used to make myself go outside and just shoot baskets like because it was habit, you know, like an hour at least a day of shooting a ball. Like there was no if, ands, or buts. It didn't matter how I felt. Like you got to go outside and you got to shoot. Of course, it didn't apply to like the winter or anything like that. But if it was nice enough to go outside, I was going to be outside with a basketball in my hand. And I guess how this relates to mental health and me quitting is that that transition from not doing that anymore was very weird so i have a question for you real quick um when was the moment you knew you wanted to play basketball in college uh i mean i i have this memory of being like four years old sitting in front of tv and like the los angeles lakers are on it's like kobe bryant's on the screen and i just i'm sitting there like i want to play in the nba I want to be a basketball player. I don't want to do anything else. Like, I was like four, and I made that decision. Like, okay, I'm going to go and be a pro athlete. And it didn't happen. It's never going to happen. And I'm okay with that. But I made the decision right then and there. And we've decided to bring a guest on today. Matt, you want to introduce yourself? Just kind of tell about your history with sports and um, about your college experience, like, here at IUN. Uh yeah, um, my name's Matt, obviously just didn't introduce me, but I actually have another podcast, we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing soccer for about 15, 16 years, so this is all I've known my whole life. I did play t-ball for a little bit, I got hit by a pitch and I was just done though. Uh, I mean, being a college athlete is always something that I've, I've wanted to do, 
Uh, Pro is more, meh. I don't know. I don't know if I have the, the drive for that. But college, my grandpa played AAA ball for the Cincinnati Reds. My dad played football and baseball. He was all-conference catcher for St. Joe over here in Indiana. So I always wanted to be like a third-generation athlete, regardless of sport. So that was more my drive to college. And I've proved that I can play now. I mean, I stayed on the roster the whole year. I'll take that as a win. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, college so far has been – it's actually been fun. I mean, I did get hurt, but other than that, it's been fun. I do like it. I'm going to say my favorite thing is probably the team meals. That's something that a lot of people don't think about when they're saying, what's the thing you're going to miss? Oh, I miss the wins, or I miss the fans. or No, I miss, I'm miss. i going to miss the team meals. That's what it's about. You know what I mean? It's about the teammates and the people you know. You must have liked your teammates. Cause <laughs> I didn't care about no team meals. I ain't going to lie to you. Hey. <laughs> We're very brutally honest. So. I can tell. I like um. this. <laughs> So you really didn't have, like, a moment you just always knew you'd wanted to play? I mean, I'm going to say it was probably after my first game, which was, like, a very, like a town club thing. There would be, like, five or six teams. And it was, like, the blue team, the orange yeah. team, the gray team. That's what it was. With when the I, soccer moms. Right. <laughs> when I first played, that's what it was. And after my first game, my dad, my mom couldn't make it. But my dad was, hey, you you were, like, the best player out of all the teams I saw. And I was like, hey, that's my dad of four. And I was like, oh, whatever. He's just telling me, like, he's my dad. And then as I started growing up, I realized, like, I did have, like, an edge. And I just understood the game better because it's, it's like basketball or hockey. It's a game that's, it's like water. That's mm-hmm. the best way to describe those sports. It's flowing. It always moves. And that's, like, my favorite thing about it is you don't have time to, like, think or mm-hmm. have time to strategize like American football. You know what I mean? That's why I just, I love that game because if you don't know your next move already, you've already lost. So that's why I've, like, always fallen in love with those type of games. My experience is really similar. It was, like, I think U8, maybe U6, but my team won the tournament, but we didn't have the winning season, so we weren't the number one team. Mm -hmm. But I remember just winning the tournament, having the trophy, and I'm like, I like this sport. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to play from now on. And, uh, yeah, I fell in love with the sport since I was five years old and Mm -hmm. been playing since. Um, You mentioned that you have a lot of family members that played mm-hmm. college and even semi-pro. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like there was any pressure on you to play sports? Um, Yes and no. I mean, like, I I just always liked sports, just the whole, like, I mean, I till this day, like, sometimes I'll just sit down, don't know what to watch, like, YouTube, Netflix, whatever. I'll just throw on, like, a sports compilation of, like, greatest sports moments of the past decade. Like, yeah. it's just it's just so cool, and it's such a... Like, no matter what sport you like, you like a sport. So it's like a brotherhood or like a creed, a cult, almost. <laughs> and that's, like, mm-hmm. what it like what it's about. It's about the goosebumps you get mm-hmm. or something like that or how, like, the heartbreak and then the victories and stuff. That's, that's always what I've liked about it. Mm-hmm. So there was a little pressure, but I didn't let it get to me. Like, you know, like, if I didn't want to do it, I wasn't going to do it. But That's good. I think to add to that... Uh, sports always just has a story to it and i think that's what draws people in you know how like i bring up something like wrestling where they make the story mm-hmm. the what's special about something that's not scripted and real is that the story unfolds before your eyes and it's so organic there's nothing forced about mm-hmm. it so I, in every sport whether there's an injury problem going on and somebody coming back or you know a player that's just amazing mm-hmm. and they're showing their greatness there's always a story behind it and there's always some kind of like lead up to a moment. Mm-hmm. So 
no matter if you like a sport or not, you can tell what something special is going on. I think that's what you just perfectly described mm -hmm. about like any sport and why people love sports in general. Mm -hmm. The word organic is something that, like that Lou said, the organicness of sports is something that when somebody says that, immediately I just like, ooh, I just get goosebumps. Like it's such a surreal feeling. It is. It's extraordinary to think of like, I'm trying to think of like a big sports story other than like soccer or something like that, which like, like off the top of my head, I can't think of one other than Miracle on Ice. Okay. So that's such a great story. And like sports movies, that's one of the reasons that it, it just makes you feel inspired. It makes you feel like you're on top of the world. So that's something that I've always just enjoyed about it. A story I think about is, uh, well, anybody from Chicago love Derrick Rose, right? Mm -hmm. And when Derrick Rose scored 50 points oh, yeah, for the first time, like a few years ago, first time since he tore his ACL mm -hmm. in 2012, people, grown men were like crying. Like, <laughs> it's not something you see too often. Everybody was like crazy about mm -hmm. it. And bringing up uh, like Derrick Rose, I think this goes into the topic of like, well, men's health, like we're going to talk about it anyway. And I'll say for an athlete like him, he went through all the injuries and all the turmoil and mm -hmm. all the scrutiny, and then even got traded by his hometown team. Like, how do you continue to want to play basketball after something like that happens? Mm -hmm. So my question to both of y'all is, what makes you push through all the garbage of sports that people don't like to mention? Because people think being an athlete is this world of luxury and, you know, greatness. But in reality, you deal with a lot of garbage that nobody will ever really know. Yeah. How do you push through that? Like, what has motivated you this far to keep going? So, as someone who's been through two ACL journeys, um, I can tell you firsthand, and I'm very open with this, I did not experience anxiety or depression until my first injury. I hated soccer for a while. I thought I was on plane forever. I didn't want to play anymore and I just like literally hated soccer for a while. I just didn't even recognize myself because of all the anxiety and depression but you heal and that was like the longest journey, longest nine months ever because I just had to refine myself and refine my passion for that sport and then after tearing it for the second time that that was just really hard. Like you were saying, grown men were crying after Derek Rose. That I was one of those people. Like I was, <laughs> I was bawling. And actually, right after my second injury, I remember watching Soul Surfer mm -hmm. with like Bethany Hamilton. And when they are on the mission trip, and this is after her incident, and she's like, "See, surfing can be bigger than just like surfing for pro. Like you can mm -hmm. surf with these like kids." I, I started crying because I was like. Like soccer is not like, it's not all about playing college or D1 or pro. It's like playing because you love it. Mm -hmm. I don't know, for me, it's, mental health has always been a big thing for me. Like I've always struggled with it since, even out of sports. So like when I first struggled with it in sports, it was something that I never thought I would do because sports was always, and it's an escape. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then when you do it and you start taking it seriously and then you start struggling with that, it's like, well, what do I do now? So like, it's just that mentality of, you need to push through no matter what. That's what an athlete does. That's what a winner does. But there are definitely times where it's like, okay, I keep pushing through, I keep pushing through, I keep pushing through. And just when, like, there's no breaking point and you're, like, getting burnt out, you're just, like, then you just quit entirely. And it's such a <laughs> – that's such a stupid thing to do is quit entirely. Like, I've never liked the uh, the mentality of there's no days off. There's no off season. There, there has to be. Mm -hmm. or you're going to get burnt out. You're not going to want to do it, and you're going to start hating the sport. 
and then you start hating a sport that you loved, <laughs> what are you going to do then? I mean, I can speak from this because mm-hmm. that same thing happened to me right now. I kind of started to hate myself at that point because mm-hmm. how do I hate something I love? Mm-hmm. Like, and Cicely asked you a question about like pressure, like from your family. I think I felt pressure the most. Like, grandfather won a Big Ten championship in track and field in like the 50s. Mm-hmm. Like, he was a great athlete. And my dad played high school, like basketball, football, and track. So there was always this pressure of sports. Like I was gonna be an athlete whether I liked it or not. <laughs> and I liked playing sports at first, so it was fine. You know, I liked the idea of being competitive. It got to a breaking point, I would say, once I got to like middle school though. And this happened to me because I broke my arm in seventh grade. And I'll never forget how much this changed my relationship with basketball. Like. I didn't play for like weeks and arms in a sling and I'm just super upset. But then when I came back to play, I wasn't as good as I was before. And it frustrated me so much because I had put in so much time and to just lose it like that, it killed me. Like, but then I started working and working and working and I got to work out with high schoolers when I was still in like, like when I was like seventh and eighth grade. So I was like, okay, I'm going somewhere with this. And then I get to high school and I'll go through three coaching changes in four years. Like, you can't make any progress that way. It's wow. crazy. I went through three coaching changes. And, you know, the second coach was my favorite coach ever, like Pete Turkovich. He's an Indiana Hall of Famer. He's a legend. He won a state championship in the 70s with East Chicago, Washington. My favorite coach ever. He was the coach. I was like, I'm going to be the best player I can under him, you know. And the moment I thought that we won, we didn't win a regional championship. We got to regionals. We lose in the first game of regionals. He's forced to resign because of something he said at the time about mm-hmm. refereeing. And then I get a new coach, and it's like it's all over. I was no longer looked at as this person who was, like, the future mm-hmm. of our program, even though I had the most experience, you know. I was just somebody who was just there to be there, and I was just the experienced player who was supposed to be the leader, and I could never be the best player. And I always felt like that. Like, a new coach came in and just undermined what I had built for two years with the coach before, and it was nothing I could do. You had to prove yourself over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that gets exhausting when you just don't be able to have that comfortability of knowing that you're just the leader, you're the best player on the team. Like, everything I've ever been a part of, I've always been a leader, no matter what it is, like, period. Like, it did not matter. Like, if I'm in a classroom full of people, people gravitate towards me, like, if I'm working on a group project, I take care of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what, I take care of it. Because it's like, that was always my responsibility, especially with sports. It did not matter. Like, if something was going on, people came to me. And when my coach got changed and, you know, he tried to look to these other people for the thing I always provided, which was stability and dependability. And also just the ability to talk to people and not make them angry or upset, but to make them understand me. It hurt in a lot of ways, and it made me hate myself and doubt myself a lot. When I finished high school and finally decided, okay, I'm going to be a college athlete still, it was just like, it didn't feel right. Hmm. And I felt that kind of pressure uh, my junior year after tearing my ACL because I was voted team captain on my team. And I was the lead scorer, and I just felt a ton of pressure because the coach is expecting me to still put effort in the team when I can't play on the field. So I'd have to find ways to help the team out on the sidelines. And I pretty much became like the help coach slash manager position. Mm -hmm. But it was just a lot of pressure. And then my senior year, getting voted team captain again and then tearing again, it just kind of, it broke my heart. And honestly, my whole team, I feel like 
was pretty upset by it because they had so much hope. Mm. It's tough, man. Like, I was team captain for like the last two years of high school. Then I became captain my last year of playing here. I was actually pretty much captain since, like, the beginning of my second year. I always held teams together. And feeling like that got taken for granted for so long, mm-hmm. it does make you not like your sport to an extent, at least in my case, just because you put so much energy into trying to be a team, and then you have to deal with the fact that nobody cares about team. Only People, people only care about wins. You know, team isn't winning all the time. It's much as people don't want to admit it, winning is not everything. Like, Definitely. In college, I felt more like a commodity than a person. And I, I want to build on this so much just because, like, I remember after my second year here, I was a starter, and I was this person who was just dependable. My grades were going to be good no matter what. I was always going to show up on time, not even on time, early. I was going to work hard. I was going to give it my all. And I got taken for granted for that. So you know what my coach does? He brings in two players at my position. And I posted some things on my Snapchat from a year ago, like today, actually, about how I was feeling at the time. And, you know, Cicely slides off my story. Oh, my God, are you okay? What's wrong? And I'm like, no, this is from a year ago. It's okay. I just posted it, like, to reminisce a little bit, like, thinking about what I was going through. And I remember this time period specifically because, like, I had never in my life had to deal with something like this, like not been appreciated to this degree where it was like, you feel like you have to bring in two players at my position because I'm just not good enough, even though I had showed that I could be the starting point guard for IUN, you know? And then I end up winning the starting point guard position anyway, even after you bring in these two players. And it's like, what's the point in all of this? What do I have to do to prove to you? You Yeah. What do I have to do? And constantly having to do that, you don't feel like a person anymore. You feel, like, you feel like a machine that people have to constantly tinker with to get the right result. It's like, what is that? Like, how do I, you deal with that? I think you even put a value on yourself as an athlete when your coach sees you as that because you're like, oh, I'm not good enough. I didn't start this game. Like, so what? You are still a player. You love the game and you work hard. Like, starting means nothing if you were there for the right reason. And, man, I started games, but I only played, like, seven minutes a game, mm-hmm. actually. Like, a big reason I quit was just because of the fact that, like, mentally, I could not take, the, like, being mistreated anymore. You know, like, I got tired of being abused by coaches. And not abused in this physical way of, like, they put their hands on me, but lies, being lied to, false mentally promises. Mentally abused. Like, yes, mentally abused, like, where they tell you these things and then they give you this hope and then it never happens. Like, we played these games right before I quit against good teams. We played Purdue Northwest. I didn't play that game. That was a big game because it's a region game, you know? And then we played, uh, who was it? We played Andrews University, this terrible Christian school from Michigan. I played like 30 minutes in that game. We won by 30 points. Nobody cares about that game. Then we played Olivet Nazarene, and I don't play a minute. I'm sitting on a bench. I'm sitting next to Ryan the whole game. I look over at Ryan. I tell him straight up. I'm done. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I can't. Like, he won't He won't take me it's, seriously. It's almost like a coach who wants the best out of you will give you the worst of themselves. And that's not what a coach should do, in my opinion. Like, they're, they're going to mistreat you so much because they want you to have that. You need to have that mental toughness because your opponent's going to have that mental toughness. Like, no. <laughs> 
if you think I'm good, I will never understand. If you think I'm good and I work hard, especially the work hard part, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're touched by God with your three point shot or your your left foot. If you don't work hard out there, I'm not playing you. And I don't care if the other guy like I pulled him up out of the trash and he's just like, you know what? He can't even run right. But if he works hard out there, I'm gonna put him in. But it's it's like okay, you work hard, but you could always be better because you're not working hard enough. Even though you're the work, you you're the hardest worker on the team. Exactly. And they will push you and push you and push you and then throw you aside because you know what? You gave up. You gave or, up. No, you gave up on me. No, they'll throw you away because your physical attributes don't meet what they need at that moment. So this goes really deep into my identity as a person in general. I was always the short kid. I was always the small kid, and I always got seen that way. So when I was the kid who was the most aggressive and wanted to, like, be the scorer or I wanted to be the guy who took the most shots, I was always denied that, like, my whole life. And it got to a point where it's just like, I just have to accept that I'm five foot eight and nobody's going to let want me to shoot the ball. Nobody cares about the fact that, like, I'm good enough to do these things. But then when I constantly prove people wrong, it was like, wow, they were so shocked. Like, I didn't know you were this good. So when you get to college and then the same thing keeps happening, oh, my God, I didn't think you could do this. And, the- and then it keeps happening, but then they keep, like, mistreating you after you've already proven yourself. How do you think you're going to respond to that? You know what I did? I quit. I quit like two days after we beat a nationally ranked team, and I will never regret it. Like that was the best thing that happened to me, honestly. And the the crazy thing is, like in high school, it's like okay, if you want to throw me aside, and then I'll prove you wrong. Not a big deal because I know you'll play me. Like you have no choice. If I'm the best player on the team, and you don't think I am, and then I prove you I am, you have no choice because I live in your town. In college. You chose me, and you don't want to play me? <laughs> That's the crazy part. What do you mean? That makes no sense. It's nuts, bro. Like, people don't understand. Being underappreciated and mistreated, it will lead you down a road of madness that you can't quite comprehend unless you've been there before. Like, I go to therapy, and my therapist always compared my relationship with basketball to a toxic relationship. And I can't agree more. It's like this really abusive relationship. Like, basketball just keeps beating me on the head, and I keep saying I love you. Like, (laughs) I keep going back, even though it's, like, destroying me. Like, physically and mentally just destroying me. And I'm just sitting there like, I love you so much. Like, please treat me right. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. nah, man. Like, I had to get to that point where it's like, nah, man, you know what? You hit me again, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and I got hit again, and you know what I did? I left. And, you know, life moved on. Like, nobody really missed me. And it's like, I'm okay with that. Like, I can live with that. You mm-hmm. know, I got to a point where it's like, nah, I forget it. I got to a point where I was only playing for my dad, actually. Like, he didn't want me to quit. And that pressure was there for a long time. Like, I wanted to quit basketball for a long time. Like, it wasn't – it didn't start – in 2021, I wanted mm-hmm. to quit in, like, 2020. Like, after my first mm-hmm. year, I wanted to quit. Like, I didn't want to play anymore. Mm-hmm. And what kept me, oh, my dad, he wants me to play. My grandfather would be proud of me. He was a Big Ten champion in college. All this, all these thoughts. But it's like, what is best for me? Like, do I need to know when to quit? So I think that's an important skill for all athletes. Like, they tell us, you know, never quit anything. You got to see everything through. But I think at a certain point, you have to know when something just is not for you. Mm-hmm. Like... And this is why people even stay in bad relationships. It's like, oh, I got to work it out. These are just tough times. Nah, it's always going to stay tough, bro. Mm-hmm. Get out of there. And a lot of people don't probably don't know this about me, but I thought about quitting after my freshman year. And I literally made a pros and cons list of why I should stay and why I should quit. And I didn't talk to anybody for three days on the team, no coaches, no nothing. And I just wrote down, like, pro, this, con, that. 
I stayed because my pros overnumbered my cons, but I'm so glad I did because mm-hmm. I got to visualize like what the problems were, why this sport was bothering me, like what this team was, how mm-hmm. this team was affecting me. Mm-hmm. Last season was good because I knew how to handle it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I told her so she should have quit if she had to make a pros and cons. But, <laughs> <laughs> hey, more power to her. I'm glad she's still playing. We're going to hopefully see her play soon in like a month. Hey. Yeah. One thing I want to say is, uh, Lou, you brought up like you have a therapist, and I do too. Like, um, one thing that my therapist actually tries to work with me on, um, I'm a lot less workful. Like, I'm a lot, I won't really help myself. I'll just be like, ah, yeah, I'll listen to you, but I won't it's do fine. it myself. Yeah, it's fine. It'll, be, <laughs> it'll buff. You know, it'll buff. It's okay. <laughs> Um, is the sport, is the athlete mentality, like, you know what, you, like, you have to suck it up, you have to do it, and you, like, you broke a bone, who cares, get back out there, you know, like, that mentality is, it's a great mentality to have, but it's a terrible mentality to have at the same time, it's such a double-edged sword, because life is gonna knock you down, sports are gonna knock you down, so you have to get back up and keep going, but that doesn't mean you get back up and keep going, like, if you need a break. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I talked about this earlier. Like, if you need a break, take a break. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's another thing that's, like, con- another thing overlooked is not only your mental state, but your drive, kind of, and what you want to keep pursuing. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't feel like, hey, I'm not going mm-hmm. pro and college is the only way to do that, then don't, don't play in college. You know what I mean? Play somewhere else. If you still want to go pro, but you don't want to play in college... Play mm-hmm. somewhere else. Go summer league or something like that. If you want to do NBA, something. Go or go international. They have good they have good schools internationally. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that is so true about the mentality of sports. Like, oh, suck it up. Mm-hmm. Keep going, even though you are literally my, on the ground with mm-hmm. the twisted leg. My favorite and least favorite phrase is just when you think about quitting is when your breakthrough is going to happen. It's like. I know, but that, like, yeah, that's true. Your breakthrough's going to happen just when you're like, you know what, I have to quit. I have to stop. But also, that is when it's like, you know what, when is this going to kill me? Mm-hmm. Like, is this going to kill me? That's when that thought comes in your head. And you have, to, you have to weigh, make a pros and cons list maybe. Just weigh the <laughs> options of like, do I want this to kill me? Will I be satisfied if this killed me? I have a story kind of relating to that, like the mentality. I remember when I thought about quitting. It was the week of Thanksgiving, actually, and... I'm sitting in my room going bad insane, like thinking about like quitting. Like I've played basketball since I came out the womb. Like, this is the only thing you've ever known. Only thing yeah. I've ever known. <laughs> I've done this my entire life. So my mom calls me up. She's like, oh, go pick up this food for us. So I, I'm driving. And I had the most crazy thought ever. Like it was like, man, if I quit, like. I'm just gonna have to like die because this is all I know. Like, legitimately had this thought, and then it it snapped in my head. Like, oh my god, you gotta quit. Like, yeah. you have to quit. I've never told the story out loud, but essentially, the the thought came to my mind: if I don't play, what am I gonna do? Like, who am I? Was I? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, who am I? And what am I gonna do? I'm like, and I was like, that's my breaking point. Like, no, you have to stop because this is killing you and you don't know it. Mm-hmm. And going back to that, like, the athlete mentality, that's what that is. Like, sometimes it gets to a point where the sport itself and the culture around it is killing you in a way. Like, it's killing your spirit and who you are, and it takes away from it. Like, on our, on our podcast, we talk a lot of, about these negative things and we, like, criticize things. But I think what we're really doing is, like, exploring the nature of how 
these things are destructive and people don't even want to acknowledge it. They just continue to celebrate it. Mm-hmm. It's like sports are celebrated all the time, but people don't want to talk about these aspects of sports that nobody even cares about. Mm-hmm. Like athletes are so commoditized that, you know, you feel like you have to be perfect. Like at every single point, or you're not going to play, you're not going to get that scholarship money, you're never going to go pro. Like, you feel like a robot because you are one to an extent. You know, you got to be perfect on the field. You got to be perfect off the field. Your grades got to be perfect. You got to have some money so you can pay for certain things. It's like, when does it stop and become, man, you're human? Like, it take won't that break. stop until you notice it. You have to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't acknowledge that there's something to change, nothing will change. You know what you're I mean? Right. We, collectively, not us three, but, like, athletes around, coll- like, collegiate athletes around the country, world, whatever, have to be the change. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, if you feel like this needs to change, you have to be the change. So I love talking about mentality stuff with you guys, but I just, just out of curiosity, like, if you go pro, if you were, like, you were to go pro, and you were struggling mentally, and the team's, like, big game was coming up, like, the one that I always think of is Simone Biles. Mm-hmm. I think that's who it was in the Olympics, and she just, like, quit on her team, and she later feels like, oh, it was a mental health thing. Like, part of me was, like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, you need to go out there and perform for your team to win because you made that commitment. And then, like, I thought about it, and I was like, what an asshole thing to think. <laughs> like, what a terrible thing to think. Like, and then, like, it later came out, it's like, my aunt died, and she was this big gymnastic person. I was like, oh, my God, I'm an asshole. <laughs> I, like, think, I think that goes to another pressure that athletes face, and that is the high visibility. Athletes receive high visibility in their, like, communities, on social media, which mm-hmm. we talked about last episode, <clears throat> and their biggest successes are celebrated, but their struggles are also right. and well I, documented. I saw, and, like, I think it, I... A lot of the comments I saw were on Instagram, and they were just like, she quit. She quit on her team last minute. They only won silver because of, because of her. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, they're right. Those people are right. And then I <laughs> thought about it for, like, another hour, and I was just like, oh, my God. What am I turning into? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a terrible the, person. That's the mentality, though. Sometimes, you know, we try to always say team over individual, team over mm-hmm. individual. The, indi- the team isn't anything without the individuals. Mm-hmm. And the individuals, I think, aren't anything without the team. Like, they both go together. Right. But if you find yourself at a point where it's like, you can't do this, if, I feel like you should have the support mm-hmm. from the people around you to just be like, I understand, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure her teammates weren't sitting there like, oh, my God, I hate you. Like, That's they right. probably yeah. understood. Like, She's going through a lot, and she can't be here. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, pretty much, like, if it was a big game coming up and I was going through something, I think it would depend on the event. Because I remember, like, my grandfather died in 2018, mm-hmm. and I didn't go to practice for, like, a day or two. And I was like, I'm going to practice. I got a game next week. Like, man. But then I played in that game, and I played, like, trash. Right. And I'm like, I should have been at home. Like, I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I here doing this? You know, like, I now I'll probably make a decision not to do that just mm-hmm. because I wouldn't be there enough mentally to even help. Because, I mean, tragedy sometimes pushes you to do better in sports, but I'm not one of those crazy, like, Kobe Bryant-type people it, where it's it, going it to push me. You know, Right, and I, yeah. I also think, like, like Lou's saying, like, your teammates should support you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're at a point, like, if you're actually, like, a team individual, which you need to be, you need to be a team individual and you need to be an individual, if you're at a point where you're like, you know what, my mental state is hurting the team, that is on you mm. to step out. Because if you're like that team individual, you should, you know, take a step back and your teammate should support you in taking that step back. You know what I mean? So it's, it's again, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, well, individually I'm being selfish to stepping out, but am I really? Because I'm, I'm helping my team if I'm dangering them out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, so like, you just have to know when that point is. Like, obviously if you're, 
taking steps out of the team for personal reasons like I want to go to the beach more or I want to go to the strip club or something like that. <laughs> like, that's not a thing, no. But if it's like, you know what, my dad died or I'm going through a really tough time financially mm-hmm. or mentally I'm just exhausted and I'm really depressed right now, you deserve that because you give everything to your team and you currently are when you're stepping out. I think that highlights the kind of issue in general with, like, not just sports, but, like, just life. Uh, (laughs) There's this black and whiteness to it that's too far. Like, there's no nuance. Like, you really, you either get really selfish individual players or you get really selfless team players. And the ones in between are always the best players. Mm -hmm. The ones in the gray area of selfish but also team-oriented are the best players. The sad part is those are, like, the 1% that go pro. Like, the ones who go pro are usually the ones who are selfless and selfish. Like, they know when to take over, but they also know when to help their team and motivate them. It's almost like a a very overconfident player where it's like, who's going to take the last shot? I'm taking the last shot, no matter if you're a better three-point shooter than me. It's like, okay, well, you're just a soul. It's like, and then he makes it, and you're like, okay, well, he's not a soul. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, of course, there's always that gray, that, the gray area, I guess, or the, the black or the white, like, opposite side player that gets in there. It's like... You're still a selfish guy, and you just sneak in there. Those players never last. No, so, they don't. You know. The guys who know, like, I need to be selfish because if I don't shoot that shot, we're going to lose, and I'd rather die on my hands than anybody else's because I know I'm the best player. You know? Right. Like, or, um, like, the guy, there's a story about Steph Curry. In college, there was a game. They were playing in conference. You know, he went to Davidson. They were in a smaller conference. This team decided they were going to double-team Steph Curry the whole game. Like, double him even when he didn't have the ball. Steph Curry was averaging, like, 29 points per game his senior year. He had three points this game. You want to know why? Because since they were doubling him the whole game, he passed the ball to his teammates the whole game. Like, 40 assists, though. That's the thing. He sat in the corner. He this Actually, he didn't have that many assists. He sat in the corner with two players on him and let the rest of, like, his team just go to work. And they won the game by, like, 20 points. Because you leaving one player open by themselves. But, like, certain players who are completely just selfish, would have still took a bunch of shots and shot his team out of the game eventually. But I think it shows, like, the players like that do make it the farthest. And as a teammate, you know, like, when you have the extremely selfish person or extremely selfless, I fall into the more selfless category where I give it my all no matter what. I'm going to do whatever I'm asked. And when you meet those players who think they're a lot better than they are and they bring down team morale with their piss-poor attitude as far as, they just think they're the best and they should take all the shots and you should do whatever they say. You get into a situation where it affects the whole team's morale and it brings you down. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why super talented teams even don't always end up being the best team. It's because... You can't get over their egos. No, they can't get over the fact that maybe I'm not the best mm-hmm. and maybe I can't always be the best. Maybe this guy can be better than me some days and maybe I'm the best some days. That's like, a, that's yeah. important. Maybe I'm not the best... Maybe I'm the best rebounder and best, um, you know... What am I thinking? Air ball winner. Or not air ball winner. You know, jump ball winner. Maybe I'm the tallest guy out there. I'm not the best three-point shooter, though. Mm. So I need to hand that off to somebody else. That is like, that's a leader. That's not just an athlete. That's a leader. That's somebody you just want in your everyday life. Yep. And I guess that's why I kind of brought up leadership for myself. I was always willing to give up something just to be out there and have some kind of impact on the game, like no matter what it was. Like, I never averaged more than 10 points per game in high school. People don't understand like why did I never do that like 
because my coach pretty much asked me like, oh, you need to be the facilitator, you need to go out there and pass. Like, there's this book I have after my sophomore year of high school. I was projected to be like an Indiana all-star. Like, bro, I, I, my parents bought this book at a game. I'm like, they projecting me to be like all-state? They projecting me like an Indiana all-star? I was like, what? I averaged seven points per game my junior year. Nobody even cared about me. Like, do you know how crazy it was? that they ha- And the only reason they had me projected to be Indian All-Star was because I played on a team full of, like, D1 players. And I was a starter on that team. And I pretty much gave up all of that for a coach. Like, people do not understand that. Like, bro, when people see me play, like, outside of, like, the organized environment, they're like, oh, my God, you're a lot better than I thought you were. I'm like, yeah. But I gave all that up for somebody who it's- really didn't care. Like, that's nuts when you really think about it. Like, that, that kind of haunts me still to this day. So, like, do you think the, the one person, the coach, rent it for you? Like, do you think if he was out of the picture, you would still be there today? Oh, yeah, sure. Like, I would average 20 points my junior <laughs> so, year. Like, so, like, no like absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, like, so let's talk no about question. toxic environments. How, how do you deal with that? How did I deal with it? I, mean, I got to really think, like. We'll you think? start off. I have a story with okay. that. So in my high school, um, when I played, I played a couple years. I played one year of varsity. <laughs> one. Um, I there's this player on the team. I don't really care. His name's Dane Richardson. He is. <laughs> he's he's a great ball player, and I I relatively talked to him to this day. Relatively. Well, you guys know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, super. Super nice guy outside of the field. He's a dick on the field, though. Absolute dick. And, like, he's cool. Like, I don't mind talking with him. But, like, when we were out there, he would look at our coaches. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. I'm out here. You're not. And it's just like, dude, like, oh, my Mm. gosh. And, like, the other thing is, like, another thing that we briefly have talked about. A, a, A selfish player and a selfish coach who just wants to win their relationship is much more toxic than individually. Oh, yeah. Because Dane was out there sometimes. He should not have been out there because he was getting red, yellow cards for his mouth. He was looking, you're not being where you're supposed to be. You're not, and he's yelling at us. And it's just like, you're our captain? Why are you our <laughs> captain? You can't you can't delegate, relegate us. Like, you don't know what you're doing. You're just out there yelling. Like, I respected the fact that he would do anything to win because I was the same. But Dane would do anything to win as long as he was on the field. Mm-hmm. I would do anything to win if I was riding the bench. Mm-hmm. And that was the difference. That's the difference between a, a toxic environment. Because when you have somebody leading like that, somebody you're supposed to look up to, and you just can't help but look up to them and be like, you're like, yeah, sure, you may have won some games and, you know, won a penalty kick or something like that. But it's like, you should not be, you're the best player. You are mm-hmm. not our captain, not the best option. And that was just something that was always irritating. And especially being in a toxic environment like that, oh, man, it's it's rough. Because then you want to give up because you're just like, I'm I'm not the best player out there. I never was. Not in high school. But it was like, I was the hardest working. I knew I was. You know when you're the hardest working mm-hmm. because you do everything. You act like the JV guys. You know what I mean? But you're a varsity player, but you act like the JV guys. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest worker out there. And it was so frustrating because it was like, okay, that's not what I would have done. Um, I wouldn't even be put in that situation because I would give up the ball or I would make that run, the decoy run, as it's called sometimes. And it was so frustrating because it was like, I didn't even play for, I think there was a three-game span, I didn't play. Oh, it was the most frustrating thing in the world. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my dad, who, my dad was 
coming off of a stroke. So just came back, like, from the dead, basically. And I'm looking at him, and I'm going, I'm shrugging on the bench, like, I don't know. And it was so frustrating. Man, that's like, tough. Like, ugh. That sounds And tough. one person can just destroy the atmosphere on a team. Right. Oh, man. I got, I got a story similar to that one. It's, I mean, some context, okay? My coach got changed beginning of my freshman year, and then after my sophomore year, so I had the same coach for two years, like freshman and sophomore year. And okay, after we like won sectionals, Austin regionals, he had to resign, all of that. We get a new coach. And God, the environment at first was fine, but like when we got closer to the season, it's like, oh no, this is not looking good. Like we played summer league and it was fine. Like I was doing my thing, I was cool. And, okay, I, I just mentioned this. I said I would have averaged, like, 20 points per game my junior year if I would have got to play the way I wanted to. Like, in the summer, I was killing people. So, I'm like, man, I'm about to come. I'm about to ball out. Like, nobody tell me nothing. So, we kind of get into the season. And there's a game I always have circle, Valpo. Valpo had Brandon Newman. He's at Purdue right now. Mm-hmm. I have been playing against Brandon Newman since, like, seventh grade. Always circled on my calendar. It's always a matchup. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. I haven't spoken to Brandon Newman in, like, four years. But if I ever see him, like, I'll shake his hand, I'll say what's up. Like, it was that kind of rivalry with me and him. Yeah. So they came to play at East Chicago. And my thing was, man, I got to go here. I got to ball out. Like, I get, I got to, like, play as hard as I can. Like, you know, this is the guy I want to beat, you know, like, bad. You know, you got that competitive drive. So we get out there. And, you know, at first, I don't even think I'm guarding him. Like, they got somebody else guarding him. They're getting killed. Like, Valpo was the number one team in the area. Like, they had only lost one game to this point. They would beat everybody by 30. So we're getting killed at first. And then a switch just flipped. Like, that competitive spirit. Like, I just go into, like, mad memo. Like, I see red. Like, all right. So I just come down and, like, start shooting the ball, like, every time. Like, I didn't care anymore. But I was hitting. And the crowd is, like, Going crazy on the side, like you know, you know everybody in the crowd. We at home. They yeah, Louis, you do your thing, yeah, yeah. I come down the court one time and like I kind of like hesitate into a shot. I shoot a three, all net. The crowd goes wild. Coach called timeout. Go to the bench. Why are you listening to the crowd? What's going on? Yada yada yada. And in my head, I'm like, I got like half the points. We only down like five. Like I'm feeling good. <laughs> He's screaming at me, like, about shooting the ball and, like, listening to the crowd. And we're almost, like, winning the game. Like, I'm keeping us in the game, bro. Like, this actually happens. Like, I'm sitting there, like, going wild. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm smiling like an idiot while he's yelling at you. He's like, what are you smiling at? (laughs) Basically. And the smile disappeared quickly. I'm like, oh, God. And I'm like, all right, let me guard uh, Brandon Newman. Let me guard him. Whatever. So I get in the game. I'm guarding him. It's fine. But I stopped shooting the ball. And we end up losing by 10. And this was the most frustrating thing. I didn't know how many points I had at the time. I had, like, 17 points. We had 44 points, first of all. I had 17 points. And I'm like, bro, if I would have just kept shooting. That's over a third. The score was 54 to 44. That was the end of the score for the game. Mm. Brendan Newman had, like, 20 points. He he didn't have that great of a game because I started guarding him at the end. But essentially, this, it was a common theme, like, after this game, he said I could only shoot the ball once in the first quarter. Like, he started putting limits on how much I could shoot the ball in certain quarters. And how I learned to deal with this, I pretty much just conceded. Like, I was just like, okay, I'll stop shooting. And that was, like, the end of me ever having any kind of aspirations of scoring a bunch of points in high school. Like, it was over. 
Like, after that, he even brought in kids from outside of, like, I was talking about how he, like, will look to other people mm-hmm. for, like, the things I already had, and he could just ask me about, like, he started bringing other people in and wanted them to do what I do. But they couldn't do what I do because they ain't me. Like, and they ain't been here long enough to even do all that. Like, I know the program. I know the system. I know who we're playing against. They don't know any of that. So the way I kind of pretty much handled it was like, okay, I'm just going to give up. Like, <laughs> which is not a good thing. No, but, but you had no other choice. It was like, what could I do? Kind of long overdrawn story sorry it's okay I just want to conclude in our podcast we talked about a lot of different pressures um that athletes face every day high visibility identity injury um what were some other ones toxic um, environment yeah and like high management mindset and the athlete mentality yeah. yeah the athlete mentality and it's an epidemic in our country I mean I know at least five college players who have committed suicide this year And, like, no one should feel the need that they are not worth living because of a sport. And I think we are going to get better, but this is something we had to learn the hard way, that sports are not everything. Ball is not life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think a lot of people – no, I think a lot of people don't understand that. And life after sports for some people is very hard. And I just – I think it's a problem that we are going to have to work on. Mm. Indeed. Well, to any of the athletes struggling, like Cicely said, ball is not life. Ball can't be your everything. Like, have fun. Go to prom. Go to parties. Enjoy yourself. Try to be a person. Don't be a object. Don't be a product. If you make a commitment to something, I'm very firm that you, you stick to it, no matter what, even if you're struggling. But after you're done and that commitment is done and you feel fulfilled, you don't have to keep doing it. And you shouldn't feel pressure of anybody else, like, you need to do this or you need to do that. It's completely, it's your life. You know what I mean? So just do what you want to do. Make sure that you, at the end of the day, are not a good athlete, but a good person. And that's that's more what that any coach should be teaching you. So if a coach is not teaching you that or coaching you on life, maybe it's not the right program, organization, sport, coach for you. What a so. wonderful way to end it. Perfectly said. Uh, thanks, Matt, for coming on our podcast yeah, today. Yeah, a lot of fun. I have a feeling we're going to be doing more podcasts like this, and especially on this topic because it's so prevalent. I can't Even- tell. Still got a lot to get off my chest. Yeah, we still we still got a lot. So uh, tune in for next time. <laughs>